0: Não, não. não. transmissions podcast. Uh, my name is Kyle Bird, and I'm Matt Parmley. Um, what are we What are we doing today, Matt? <laughs>
1: uh, we are talking about the Big O, and we are joined by our pretty uh, reoccurring guest host, Mr. Kevin Dierendorf. Hey, Kevin.
2: <laughs> howdy, howdy.
1: Yeah, we 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 got
0: some anime here going. You know, I. I need I need Kevin to be here to answer my questions usually. Um the Big o
1: enthusiasm in your voice, bird.
0: I do I ever sound enthusiastic? That's fair. <laughs> that's just uh you know, that's just this is how I talk. Um so the Big O is a anime series um it uh, started in '99 and ended in 2001, or something. Am I? Or it started in '99 and uh, and in 2003 there was a break between the the two seasons. Um, anyway, this is a show that I uh, always have had people telling me I need to watch. Until, in, in, including these doofuses. Um, every, everyone's always, you gotta watch Big O, you gotta watch Big O, you gotta watch Big O, and I, I I just eventually relented and said, fine, I'll do it. Um, I remember this show from when it was on Adult Swim way back when I was in, like, high school, what, the early 2000s? Um, and I, I knew some people that watched it, but, uh, you know, it wasn't really anything that, that i got into but um so the big o um is i i guess it's kind of uh i guess I, you would you, you would call this like a cult show now um uh it's not like uh an evangelion or um you know uh my hero academia or something where everyone seems to know what it is uh
2: it had a, it had a, a hot minute um, where you know it was it it was you know more popular stateside than Evangelion because it was on Cartoon Network. and Evangelion really didn't get that sort of TV exposure. Yeah. But you know we're we're 20 plus years out from that now, and uh, uh, some things fade into memory. <laughs>
0: uh yeah you would you would say it's like uh the memory of the show is a hazy uh a hazy dream anyway um the big o is uh created by Keichi Sato and Kazuyoshi Katayama who i guess uh is there other things that uh well Katayama I, I sort of am aware of. Um, I know he was involved in the giant robo series, which I am th- pretty sure there's some of that seeps into this. Um, Oh, definitely. And, uh, super Atragon, um, and, uh, king of thorn. Uh, those are kind of the, the things that come to my mind. Is, is there anything that these two guys are like, uh, more famous for or most famous
3: for
2: uh well well katayama uh worked on uh Nausicaa, uh as a as, as an assistant director and um and he also uh directed uh dune to Megalopolis which was um you know sort of a anime take on the story from um Tokyo the last megalopolis and mm. he has a, a handful of other uh credits here or there um Keichi Sato I think is is a he's a guy that I I keep a, a very close eye on. He does some uh he does a lot of interesting work in in animation and especially with uh with CG nowadays um as a director because he um he's he was the director of a uh, Kara the Tatsunoko uh, Yokai superhero thing that got a theatrical release in the states. Uh he's also, you know, the uh driving force behind Tiger and Bunny which was huge 10 years ago. <laughs> uh the, superhero series. Um and then then more recently he's done uh like Rage of Bahamut and uh Gantz O, which uh I would recommend kaiju fans checking that out. That's the that's the best of the of the Gantz movies. But uh so he's kind of like got his his hands in a in a whole lot of pots and I could I could keep uh keep rambling about all of his, his various uh movies somebody should release uh, Ashura here because that movie's great but uh, yeah he's he's been around the he's been around the block in the 70s
0: okay um and uh i guess i don't know you want to call him the main writer or whatever um uh chiaki konaka who is i mean that's another guy that is just ever kind of everywhere
4: Um, Yeah, especially
2: in this time period we're talking about the late 90s early 2000s that was that was peak Chiaki Konaka time
0: yeah a lot of people like listening to this would probably know him as um, he was a big writer on a lot of the the 90s and 2000s era Ultraman stuff you know Tiga and Gaia um but a, a lot of anime too um like Digimon and um Devil Lady uh Rosafan am i saying that right
2: Yeah serial serial experiments lane is kind of his his calling card um that that's like evangelion sort of a sort of a meme show at this point <laughs> but yeah even though it's it's really old a lot of anime fans are are familiar with it and confused by it
0: and he wrote the novel and the screenplay for uh, Mare Bito which we we reviewed a couple years ago um on one of our Halloween episodes um which is a, a great movie yeah. um so yeah he's he's kind of like he's in all kinds of different genres and mediums and um i guess he's done some lovecraft stuff too to the point where he's like been a guest at like lovecraft conventions and stuff so um so yeah though i guess i guess you know you'd consider those uh to be uh some heavyweights here um i
2: I mean really all of konaka stuff is lovecraft including big o if we start to dig into (laughs) it
0: well yeah there's there's a there's a probably at least a couple episodes especially that are (laughs) have a lot of lovecraft uh nods in them um so uh, this I I guess this series was proposed by because Sunrise is the studio. Uh, I guess they're they're most famous for Gundam. They um, but they they came to these guys with like I guess toys, and they were like the toy company has these toys, and they're these big robots. Like, make a thing for it. And they were just like, okay, and they and uh, I guess they're all... I, I think that, that and the, their only other thing was like, make it kind of like Batman. Because I guess Sunrise had, had kind of done a lot of work on Batman the Animated Series. And so here's some robots and make it like Batman. It, it, am, am, I, am I missing anything there? It seems like that was kind of like, you know, here, here's some robot designs, make it like Batman and go to work.
2: Yeah, I, th- I think it might have been Sato that came up with the the idea of of doing the the Gotham kind of setting with it, but uh, that that is one of those things that I get frustrated sometimes uh, in conversations with people that are like, "It's not really like Batman. It's it's just Art Deco style. It's just being retro." Like, no, oh, it it's, is hell yeah, very <laughs> literally, incredibly Batman specific.
3: <laughs> yeah, it's uh, yeah. um...
2: And, and Sunrise is a is a big powerhouse animation studio, but of their of their studios, Batman was animated at Studio Six, and Big O was also animated at Studio Six. So it's, uh, and it, you know the the they started working on it in 1996. So it's right like hot off the heels of Batman the animated yeah. series.
0: Yeah, it, it, this is pretty much Batman, James Bond, and you know, uh, I don't know, like Mazinger Z or something. Or Mazinger. Is it Mazinger or Mazinger? Mazinger. Okay. Uh, anyway, so yeah, it's like all those things kind of, like, thrown together with with some, some, uh, definitely a lot of kaiju influence. There's, it's not so much a kaiju show, but there there are kaiju here and there, uh, and there, there's certainly kaiju episodes. Um, I know they were saying, um, uh, you know they they wanted it to be very tokusatsu inspired but uh they they wanted to try and try and take inspiration from stuff that Evangelion hadn't done yet um and so i guess one of the big ones was uh super robot red baron um was a, a particularly heavy influence on on this show um but uh i guess i'll I'll kind of give a general plot rundown so um Uh, the, the, the city, Paradigm City, um, which, uh, you know, they should have had, uh, they should have got Weird Al to, like, do, uh, the theme music and do, like, Guns and Roses, uh, Take Me Down to Paradigm City. (laughs) Um, it is, uh... Similar to New York, we know it's in the United States, or maybe what was the United States, and everyone has uh, lost, and everyone alive, mostly anyway, um, has no memory of the last 40 years. Um, So, a lot of the series is um, this character, Roger Smith kind of uh having his own internal monologues about um you know memor- you know about these memories he says you know sometimes they they just come to you like um like you know out out of nowhere um so people definitely have sup- suppressed memories um but this guy Roger he uh pilots what is called a Megadeus, which i guess is actually called a megadeus which i didn't know until about 15 minutes ago um, cuz i only watched the dub i wish they'd just said that though i like that way more Megadeus sounds like something in
4: toilet? yeah it's a me- <laughs> you Mega deuce.
0: It. yeah megadoo sounds like something matt would leave in the toilet every morning um anyway <laughs> um he pilots a giant robot uh I'm sorry Mega Deuce, called uh Big O. And um he has uh his sidekick who is uh basically Alfred. <laughs> his name is Norman. <laughs> um he's it's the same character. <laughs> and uh um in the first episode he gets um uh contacted he's a negotiator so anything you need negotiated in paradigm city you call roger smith and he'll come and and negotiate um but he uh uh makes the acquaintance of a young girl named dorothy whose father is assassinated um and uh she is a robot and um a lot of the series is um kind of i guess between Roger you know taking on these negotiation jobs uh it seems like a lot of the time there's someone like a a mad scientist or former mad scientist or something who um uh has access to one of these robots and they they always have some kind of agenda whether it's political or whatever and um Roger dispatches big O to To fight those uh, the other robots and um, uh, sometimes the these uh, mega 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 die I don't know what mega deuces sounds weird mega day yeah sometimes they just wake up on their own and it's like some kind of uh, some internal thing in them that is like triggers them to wake up sometimes they go and find their former owners. Um, and, uh, we, we get a very episodic, especially in the first season, kind of, um, either monster or robot of the week. Like I said, sometimes, um, you know, it's just like, oh, there's this giant eel that's pissed at everybody, you know, but, uh, but, uh, yeah, it, it does follow a formula, like an episodic format, um. But even throughout the first season, I see a lot of people say, "Oh, the second season is where it like gets super serialized." But even in the first season, you know, each episode there is kind of like like there is kind of a through line of of plot in the background, um especially when we get into stuff like uh the Rosewaters who are the guys that um well, I guess w- which one is the younger one? Is that Alex Rosewater? Yeah. Yeah, he he he's like the 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 city chairman and he runs these um these big complexes called the domes, which are dome shaped but, but that's kind of where the rich live you know um you know rich people and uh people that are really successful while while you know your your uh blue collar and uh um, uh, uh you know third middle class and middle class people they all live outside the domes um and that's kind of how the establishment in Paradigm City is, uh, we don't really even know that there's anything outside of Paradigm City until, like, the last couple episodes or whatever when they introduced the idea of these foreign um, robots. So um, uh, that's that's basically the setup. I mean, I'm sure we'll get into more, um, you know, more specifics, more details about the characters and and storyline and stuff later but but that's basically the setup um and uh uh so yeah that that's that's big o um uh one thing is, that is probably worth mentioning early is that uh the series was conceived without the mystery of paradigm city being solved um and that's probably something that's going to impact the decisions that are made later. Um, because when they did do a second season, Cartoon Network, who co-produced the second season, not the first, just the second, um, were like, yeah, well, one of the things we will, we'll we'll do this with you if you solve the ending. Is kind of like, um, I mentioned David Lynch and Twin Peaks a lot, because I'm, I'm a big fan, but, uh, you know, that was one of the things like with Twin Peaks, it was like, he never intended to solve the murder. Um, that's something that the studio, the, the 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 network ended up saying, like, "Hey, uh, you like, you got to wrap this up," and he was like, "Well, I okay, but that's not what we originally wanted to do." In in a, in, in this case, I think I almost feel like they kind of just intentionally <laughs> wrote in a sort of answer at the end. We'll get into that. Um, that's the big o. i I, I th- I've only seen it once, so. Um, I, I, I feel like you guys are longer, I guess, long, longer term fans. I know, I know at one point you guys, it seems like almost every year when they do G-Fest, you guys try to like say, Hey, we want to do a big O panel. And they always, and they never, they always say no. <laughs> um, so, so yeah, I feel like you guys are, are the ones that, that um, are, are really probably going to be contributing a lot here because I'm, I'm so new to this and I've only seen it the one time.
2: Yeah. uh, Matt, what's your history with the, with the series?
1: Yeah. So this is, I mean, this is peak Toonami cartoon network, me coming home after high school and either falling asleep immediately on the couch and waiting until Toonami started or like, uh, you know, recording something on like DVR or whatever. Um, but you had like, Big O, you had, like, Dragon Ball Z, Gundam Wing. um, And then they were kind of, like, throwing in different other anime shows. You had um, Sailor Moon, Ronin Warriors. But this is kind of, like, what I think of Toonami, which was, if I wasn't playing basketball or hanging out with my friends, I was probably at home watching, like, Dragon Ball Z or something. Um, This is what I think about. And Big O came on, and I I don't know, just immediately kind of captivated me. So I have a lot of nostalgia for the show. Um, and it's partially because of just remembering childhood fond memories, but also seeing the influence of all the tokusatsu stuff and obviously having giant monsters and having giant robots. Um, I also think, like, the aesthetic of the show, because it kind of takes that Batman, the animated series vibe, and then you get, you know, they have these, like, we, like all the characters are drawn, um, like, almost, they're, like, they have, like, this weird waistline and stuff. Like, it's just kind of a unique take on the batman style and i thought that was pretty interesting and so like the style of it kind of stood out for me as being something that i really loved and then you have the music which like the music for this show was honestly wonderful and very very bay ish like right so i mean the show just for me captivated from from start to finish um and then of course you have like the break you watch the first half of the season and you got to wait like two and a half years to get the second half and we'll talk about the differences but like then you start getting into the noticeable animation changes and things. Um, But it's also a show that like I watched uh, when Toonami did their, what what was the, what was the night thing called? Um, Adult swim. Yeah, there we go. So (laughs) then they moved the second, I couldn't remember. Uh, Then they moved the show to like adult swim uh, for the, the second season. And um, that was just like, again, a show that I stayed up late to watch on purpose. And and
3: I didn't do that for everything. So just a a show that I have a, a very large affection for. That was a lot of rambling, so you you say your thing, Kevin. <laughs> yeah, I'm uh I'm I'm a, a long time
2: devotee also. You know, it's um I I might have even mentioned when we when we talked about Evangelion that like when I first saw Evangelion I was in middle school and had prior to that been exposed to like Ultraman and Ultra Seven and I could kind of tell that it was like doing similar things, but it, the the rhythms of the episodes were very different in terms of, you know, the um, kind of, they, they weren't as, as self-contained and the stakes were always so much higher and and yada, yada, yada. Uh, and I, I didn't like that, but I couldn't necessarily articulate that as a, as a kid at the time. I was just like, this, this seems wrong to me. And then Big O came out a couple of years later, and I was able to point at it
3: like, this, this is a thing. This this is this is how we do it. Uh but uh yeah, I, I saw it on I think the first
2: stuff I saw was actually probably some like real media files. Because uh, I was always like keeping keeping a an eye on things that were coming out in Japan and just like little clips that you could download in, in the nineties that were terrible quality. But then when it came on Cartoon Network, that's when I was kind of instantly like ah yes this is this is the good stuff because prior to that like you get clips but without context it didn't really you know uh make a whole lot of sense and uh the opening credits uh on Toonami were different from the ones that were in Japan so I was always like a little confused by that uh as a kid I kind of
3: get get that now that they probably for a number of reasons, uh, (laughs) excise that, but, uh, and, and you now
2: can't, but uh, anyway, uh, so the DVDs came out, got the DVDs, watched those first 13 episodes a couple of times through, and then uh, just thought that that was the end of it until they brought it back. uh, And I was really excited for that, but I never really got as excited for the second season I would I would watch the episodes when they out on TV, but I'd always feel like I missed something in between episodes or something that things weren't yeah. quite clicking. Uh, watching the second season
1: through, um, so there, it's the, I, I, w- I was gonna interject real quick. Like this does the thing that the original run of the Saban Entertainment version of Dragon Ball Z, which had like the ocean dub or whatever, did where like they they would constantly show the first, like, 53 or whatever episodes of Dragon Ball Z, and then, like, they'd go back to the beginning. And so, like, as a kid, not knowing what the situation was with how, like, the, it was being produced and things, I was always so bummed when they got to that end of the story in Dragon Ball Z, and, like, where's the next episode? And they go back to the beginning with, like, where Raditz shows up. Same thing with, like, Big O. Is, like, you watch the first 13 episodes, and you feel like this is incomplete. And then the, there's, like, that disappointment when they just kind of, like, well, we're going back to episode one now. So I don't know if you ever had that same experience, but, like, that's how I felt when we got to the end of season one. So when I saw season two, I was really excited. And then the difference in, like, the, the animation and stuff was was pretty jarring initially.
4: Yeah,
2: and when they were developing the series, they had an outline for 26 episodes. But I think when they cut it down to 13 episodes, they might have uh, front-loaded it pretty hard uh because they didn't think that they were gonna get more than thirteen episodes and then when a couple of years pass and they get this order from Cartoon Network of hey, let's do more of it, it does feel kind of like a different series when it comes back. Um you know, it's it's especially jarring if you if you watch kind of the if you watch the the end of episode thirteen where Roger gives a gives a big <laughs> speech about like some people like to stand in the rain without an umbrella. That's what it means to live free. And then, like, it comes back for episode 14, like, nominally picking up in the same place. And he's like,
3: who am I? What's my backstory?
2: And you're like, what Yeah, what that,
1: that first episode is, like... I watched this with Landon, all right? So, like, he's in it for the for the monster battles, and he, he had a good time with it. But that, that first episode, he looked at me he's like, Dad, what is this? <laughs> that episode's crazy. <laughs> it's
0: weird, because... Uh... That episode, the first episode of the second season, I almost like thought that was like setting up a, a completely new trajectory, and then it goes, it just goes back into like the kind of mystery of Paradigm City stuff. I, I, I was like, oh, what, like are we f- actually getting like something completely different? Like my my head was in so many places at once watching that episode, but it kind of just sets Roger back on the course that he he was already on um but I guess in hindsight it kind of foreshadows a lot of what you get at
3: the end of of the season yeah like there's
1: <laughs> there's a lot in this sh- I mean there's so much in the show that just like never gets answered and it's one and we were talking about this pre podcast but it's it's a weird thing where The show basically gets forgot about, like nobody really talks about it. It's known more or less because it was on Toonami and and it played, you know, in close proximity to their most popular shows, which would have been like at the time Dragon Ball Z was probably the biggest, I would say. And like because of that, people saw it. Um, But after, you know, it has like its kind of initial run on Toonami, like people just kind of like don't talk about it, don't think about it. You know, there's not a whole lot of interviews or things that are out there about information behind the scenes. And the interviews that do exist, the creators are kind of always like, they don't seem to answer questions. And that's because I don't know if they know the answers themselves or if they ever intended to answer things. So, like, we don't have questions that are answered, which is, again, you you, you summed that up perfectly, Bert. It is that David Lynch thing with the not solving the murder. Um but because of the way the story treats it, I think it can lead for some people to be kind of a, a frustrating experience, especially the way that the, the season, the final episode ends.
4: Yeah.
0: Um, uh, yeah, I, I understand why, you know, they were like, we, we want you to solve the mystery, but, um, you know, it, it seems like it was kind of conceived more as just like a kind of episodic sort of thing. Um, yeah, it but so much is just dumped on you <laughs> in that last episode <laughs> that it almost feels like they just held out as much like as long as possible on giving any kind of answers to the mystery and then they were like, "Okay, here it here, here here it all is." And then like, here's just enough to, you know, leave it open for a, a third season, which I guess they the at, at the time was like something that seemed like it could happen um but it yeah, they, it, it definitely off. feels like That's they serious. were kind of intentionally waiting for the last moment <laughs>
3: to kind of dump all that on you um it, so it reminds me a bit of uh uh the
2: Battlestar galactica remake where you know the beginning of every episode would ensure you that the alien robots had a plan and then you get to the end and you find out there there wasn't a, there wasn't a plan at least in the writers room so
0: <laughs> yeah it it's very uh, it, it's very easy to tell that they weren't really i don't know that wasn't really something they cared about and the answers they gave were just like okay here it is it's all here at the very end and don't ask us about it okay bye <laughs>
3: <laughs> kind of thing
1: I, um, like I, th- I think what it does well though is it, it like the characters do get developed over time, their relationships change- a, characters that you see early in the series come back and have impact later on um there is like a through line for the characters it just doesn't resolve the overarching story for right. like, why yeah. does this thing exist
0: yeah and and uh, you know i i I'm kind of in agreement with the 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 creators and that i i don't know that how much that matters um you know we see you know a character like dorothy who i guess kind of just figures out existence um and uh you know you there's characters like um uh like angel who's one of my favorites you know you you learn more about about her throughout the the course of the series Um, and, and that's, that's kind of what I, I gravitated to, you know, I was never super, I never felt super hung up on like, why is all this happening? It was always like, I liked seeing these characters interact with this world kind of, um, that, that was, that was kind of like what kept my interest more than like, Ooh, well, I wonder if we're going to learn about, you know. The construction of of the domes or what's outside the city, and like stuff like that never really i guess was something that I thought about um, but uh speaking of characters uh, i I think that um we should maybe talk a little bit about the series villains because they're all very um they're they're batman villains (laughs) you know um and and to the point where they're some of them are so over the top they almost don't even feel like they're in the right show (laughs) um uh there's uh like a i don't know a cyborg guy that you know is obviously like their version of the joker um there's schwarzwald who's like uh, who looks like the scarecrow um like uh, uh what's the what's the other guy in the first episode and he comes back uh, he, he he comes up, he comes back yeah yeah back um these guys are all just like so wacky that they <laughs> they almost feel like they're from another series but um those are like the recurring villains um And to be honest, I'm, I'm more, I mean, I don't know, they're fine, but I, I like, I like it more when there's like a new character every week that like, I don't know, built a robot in, you know, 40 years ago and has no memory or whatever, like stuff like that was always way more interesting to me.
2: Oh, I'm, I'm the exact opposite. Oh, okay. Well, like so many episodes are. Roger runs into this person that's like an old, old fellow, and like, oh, it turns out forty years ago they were a mad scientist and they built something <laughs> to come back to haunt them, and that feels like repetitive to me. But like with the with the main villains, each one of them has their own sort of like set of motivations. Like Beck is just like a scumball and he wants to rob banks and that's what he does and he's he's happy with it. And sometimes he gets looped into other things and he's like, I'm over my head, but I'll just go along with it. And it's it's pretty pretty fun. Uh, Schwartzwald, his whole deal is that he was a reporter and he was like trying to un- uncover the secrets of the city, and it basically just drove him crazy. Uh, and then with uh, Alan Gabriel, he's kind of a late addition to the cast. You know, you never really find out what his deal is. He's kind of like a double agent for multiple parties, and he just seems to like inflicting pain on people. So he <laughs> goes with whatever allows him to to be the biggest jerk. And then you have the, the Rosewaters who um you know, Alex Rosewater is is definitely like kind of a Lex Luthor type, but you can also sense in him that he's like really what he really wants is daddy's approval, but his dad is like a, a doddering old retired like founder of the city yeah. that might or might not know what he's talking about half the time and always has like double speak. Yeah. So
0: his dad doesn't it doesn't care about him,
2: <laughs> that's for sure. Yeah. Um so like there's just this, there's such a, a wide range there, so I think that that really like I do like a lot of the a lot of the episodes with the you know kind of villain of the weeks um but um i I think that it's a nice balance between them
1: yeah i i actually i, I agree i mean i think I like the recurring villains coming through, but I also enjoy the episodic stuff too because it, it still is very self-contained like if you picked a random episode there's a pretty high chance that you could watch it, especially the first season, and, like, oh, that was that was kind of interesting. I want to see more. Um, it does it well enough to where, like, you don't have to see everything. And the show's going to confuse the crap out of you anyway, so, like, I, I don't know. <laughs> you could pick one at random, I think. Um, I also enjoy the over-the-topness of the villains. Like, I, I, I think, uh, I don't know how you feel about Beck, but, like, I don't mind Beck. He's not my favorite character, but I like the fact that he, like finds himself in these dumb hijinks, he has to figure out a way he has to figure out some crazy plan to to get himself out of it. And they he always ends up screwing it up somehow. Like I, I kind of enjoy that little bit. Um I really love I think my favorite is probably Schwartz's fault. because even though you kind of see him get dismissed early on in the series, you learn later on that his fingerprints have been over like, kind of all throughout this whole thing, he's been a driving force behind stuff that's happening, which I think is pretty interesting.
0: He, how did he die? I don't, rem- I'm not remembering. He, uh,
3: like, was that in the big deal fight? Yeah.
4: yeah it, it's, it's
0: a- didn't they say later that, like, he was, he was dead way before that?
2: That's one of those ambiguous things that people have <laughs> made about on forums.
0: Like, cause, cause, like, after the, after. He- he dies is like the mummy looking guy they're like oh he's yeah. been dead for years and it's like so is this an an a, is like I, I guess they never really bothered to tell us is was that the version what was that a different guy or did it what did people just think he was dead or what i i'm i still don't there's also his ghost like possessed one of the robots at one point right
2: well because it's, it's he was initially this one he he was the reporter guy, Michael Zebo, and then he got disfigured and started going by the name Schwarzwald and like denouncing his old identity, so that's another like ripple in it of
1: well like paradigm censors his work and he's he's kind of like now he he's basically going around blowing stuff up and and he's starting to create his own robot and then like the end the thing that brings it kind of to the end is he he gets a letter sent to To Roger, basically. And then that's when it's revealed that, oh, he's actually been dead for a long time. Like, I feel like it is fairly ambiguous, or like, is he alive, is he dead, it's not super clear, and does he actually, and then he... He does appear, like, to possess the... <laughs> he's like an apparition, basically. <laughs> right, right.
2: It's um, like, if there were a third season, I would not be surprised if he returned in some shape or form.
3: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um... Uh, the, uh, one of the
0: things that I was not expecting was how heavy it was on, like, uh, I guess, Roger, he, he pretty much, like, he's in, like, an existential crisis, because I mentioned earlier, he, he mentions, like, you know, he will remember, something just randomly and like he makes it sound like it's this traumatic event that like messes up his day um but uh i i i i wasn't expecting it to go i guess is hard into the that you know what that's that that's a great uh comparison i just thought of is like batman and giant robots james bond throw them into dark city and yeah. and you have the big o and that that was that wasn't really something i i felt like uh i i was um getting into but uh as someone that likes stuff like that um you know it was a nice surprise it's a really interesting blend of all that stuff um, so uh what are some of uh I, I i think i think at this point we've you know talked about the setup and the 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 characters enough, but um what are some of the episodes that you guys um I guess go back to or stick out to you as, you know, the the best, the highlights?
1: Well I think my favorite episodic episode is, is probably the same one that you love Bird, which is the missing cat. Ah, yeah. That I mean that that episode it legitimately like wrecked my soul the first time that I saw it. Like <laughs> it it there's <laughs> And you know it. You have this this cat that's gone missing that ends up getting experimented on and and becomes this like Kimura kind of monster and it ends up essentially sacrificing itself at the end. Um, it it, it basically kills it. It's just it's really. I don't even harrowing. know if it sacrifices itself. It like, just, like it
0: saves them and then like it just looks at it. Fire. Just looks at a building that's on fire and is like, yeah. I... Like, yeah, but <laughs> I, you like, know, I'm I, done with I, yeah. I've like, I should probably just go in here.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It reminds me of the, um, for different reasons, but like it's this animal that gets experimented on. And like it reminds me of the, the Full Metal Alchemist thing with the, uh, the dog and the little girl where they merge them together. And like that episode is the same kind of thing where like it just, it, it really is soul crushing. Yeah. Um, that's probably my favorite episode of the entire series though.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's a, that's that's a good one. Um, pick a couple more. We'll each do like three to five.
3: Oh,
1: um, I really like the the what's the third episode with the the eel. Like it's just kind of that monster of the week, but like they they show up at this power plant and you learn that this creature basically is responsible for actually like powering the city, and it's got a really. Uh, I I love the the end battle. Where um, basically, Big O punches it like in, in half, kind of thing, but like, there's, it's just a really solid monster story with uh, there's intrigue, because like there's an old man who basically works at the city. you don't really know what his motivation is, and then they have this like secret uh, basement under the cabin, and the guy's actually like a retired um, scientist, researcher kind of guy. Uh, but you find out that essentially this is a created creature. And it's a it's just a, a pretty neat, like again, monster of the week kind of story. I really like those self contained entries because they add to the intrigue of the overall story. Um, but they also give you something that you can just sit down, watch it, and just enjoy and take it in and, and then kind of move on. Um and then I I really dig any episode that has um Gabriel, he's such a jerk that <laughs> like he I just I think he's really entertaining. And the way that he kind of plays both sides and you're not really sure like what the hell his motivation is or if he has one other than to make people suffer, kind of like what Kevin said. So anything that he's in is actually, I think, a lot of fun. Um, and one then of those I, characters
2: I, that has uh, a really good dub voice also. Um, dub,
1: yeah, oh, 100%. I think... Um, of the villains, he's
0: got the best one. <laughs> a yeah. dub voice, I think. Oh, yeah.
1: Yeah, I think Beck can be kind of grading his voices. Beck,
0: yeah, like, no, I, I like, all the dub voices are perfect, except, like, Beck and Schwarzwald are not the best.
1: I but. also think the final episode of season one, which is episode 13, um, where you have this, like, they're solving, they're trying to solve these, um, this assassin's basically taking people out and they're trying to figure out who it is. But that leads to the culmination of you finding out that, hey, there's people, like, there's these foreign megaduces, and it kind of ends on this, like, wild cliffhanger. And I really like the way that episode ends, and I actually like the way that they finally resolve it when you get to see the fight. So I would also throw that one in there.
3: Okay.
0: Um, Kevin, what are your, some of your favorites? Uh,
1: so this is
2: one that maybe just through pure power of repetition has, has really uh, grown on me, although I, I feel like I liked it when I first saw it quite a lot as well and that's uh demon seed uh you know i mm. i love to watch a whole bunch of christmas episodes of things around christmas so yep this that's made the it christmas one yeah. That's, a, yeah that's a good one um so i mean that's that's one where there's i mean it kind of focuses on like a, a struggling artist who gets duped into bringing a bringing a seed into the middle of the city that grows into a giant Christmas tree, and, and Roger has to get in Big O and, and punch it. Um,
0: I, one thing I like about that episode is kind of a theme that is in a few of these, is, like, they, they know that they all get together on this one day every year, but, like, they don't quite know why. They just know, mm-hmm. like, hey, we're supposed to give each other presents and, like, be nice to each other. <laughs> and, and and so, um, and, like, they all go... they it, right, they all go to, like, the same church, Right, and they're like they don't really know why they they keep going there. Um, That that's that's something I really like is that like everyone has like these instincts built into them, and you know it's like what little memory they have left.
2: Yeah, well, it's it's interesting because all all along Roger is kind of being a, a Scrooge about it because he's like ah, this is just you know celebrating this foundation of the Paradigm Corporation or whatever, and then at the very end. You have uh Alex Rosewater say like "No, this was the day God's son was born, and like ah this guy this guy has some s- secret knowledge or something like that so that's it's a nice little like hook that comes in at the end also uh I, I like the episode that's right before that also uh winter night phantom, and that's um basically we haven't talked about uh daston at all he's kind of like roger's ex like Commander at the the military police, basically, but he kind of is having some some flashbacks to his childhood that might be from before forty years ago um and um he's getting glimpses of uh of a movie that he remembers seeing as a as a kid, but then there's um a series of of uh terrorist attacks that seem to tie in with that, and it's kind of a little bit of a mystery. I don't think we ever get fully resolved. Exactly, who was behind that? Because things get kind of convoluted in the second season. Yeah, but, I feel
4: uh, like
1: that's the first hint too of like a time loop kind of thing, because like he's seeing that balloon go up and it, it, yeah. And the I movie,
0: like... well, yeah, and the the movie he's watching is exactly what happens to him. So yeah, yeah it, it's all in. It it all gets into that. I, I, we'll talk more about the ending as its own thing, but it it does get more into that. You know, everything's a construct that you're repeating over and over and over, kind of thing.
2: Yeah, and th- and then the 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 last episode I I'd, I'd want to bring up specifically is uh, eyewitness. Eyewitness, and that's um, one where there's a there's a serial killer that's going around killing androids specifically, and the uh, the the police send in like a special android uh detective yeah. in order to uh
0: would to you say he's a robot it? detective
2: yeah there there might be a little <laughs> bit of a resemblance there
0: <laughs> robot detective is like that's like a people probably don't understand why that is a joke but, <laughs> but robot detective is what it was like a series an anime a live action right that was like that's like a whole
2: yeah, it was Franchise. it was, a, it was an manga and the Tokusatsu from Ishinomori in the seventies, yeah. and um, the the robot detective in this looks. It, basically it's it,
0: it it's amazing that like it, there's like almost no changes. It looks it, exactly the same. <laughs>
3: um, those are all great episodes, though. Um, was the w- what was the one um was the the the
0: one with a uh, um Datsun was that the same the one that you talked about is that the same one where like they had the uh the um I guess I don't know the extremist who had the 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 robot that looked like a toy robot? Yes. Okay. Okay. I uh, Like I said, watch these once, and when we're talking first season, we're going back like two months. But, um, okay, that, that one, I think you guys have talked about most of my, a lot of my favorites. I really love the last episode of season um, one uh, with the assassinations, um, which I guess that whole thread didn't, that didn't get picked up too much, did it? Like <laughs> Don't worry
1: about it.
2: <laughs> I I kind of wonder like how fuzzy the memories were uh between the seasons when it comes to the to the writing process yeah. and like kind of
0: Again, uh, I've watched this series once, so this is, like, not the best podcasting. <laughs> this is the same snag I hit when I review any Ultraman show. Um, but what did we figure out who was doing all the assassinating? It's um, one of those episodes that throughout the episode, in my head, I had so many theories that now that time has passed since I watched it, I can't remember if my theories were right or they're just my theories. I basically don't know which one is a memory and which one is. This is like very um, fitting for this show. Um, I can't remember if what ha- if if we got an answer that was my- a theory of mine you or I'm remembering a like theory as the, something that happened. Talking
1: about the Red Destiny, the the right right
3: was... yeah, there was the the like evil angel bot.
2: Yeah, the the Red Dorothy or whatever um, yeah. she. But-
0: but where did that come from?
2: Yeah, that's that's one that I don't think ever gets uh, satisfactory yeah. resolved. Okay. We kind of get a sense of why certain people were getting assassinated. Yes, and that-
0: yeah, because they were shown to have memory. They, it was basically an attempt to snuff out anyone that had like like a, an abundance of memories, right?
2: Yeah, and they were all young people, but they had memories of the people from 40 years ago. Yeah. Uh, and that's actually kind of a kind of a neat thing, because Roger gets called in um, to prevent an assassination of somebody who's still alive, but has been murdered, because the person who had his memories has been murdered, so he says that he has been murdered, and it's kind of, like, <laughs> philosophically interesting.
0: Uh, yeah. Um... But, yeah, no, that's a great episode. That's one where, like, I was, like, on the, like, the edge of my seat the whole time. I, I, I that was just, um, I, we, we never, I guess we don't quite get the uh answer as to why they write, um, the, whatever, cast ye not, whatever, whatever the hell <laughs> the words <laughs> on the big, the big O screen are. I guess we never really find out why they're writing that, but, um. Anyway, uh, that's a favorite. We mentioned the, the episode with the cat, which is messed up. I, Matt didn't mention it. Uh, in, in addition to just, like, yeah, this sweet cat that kills itself, a couple other <laughs> things to mention about that episode. One, that's, like, probably the first time we really see Dorothy, I guess, learn humanity. And, you know, yeah. you see her caring for this this creature and everything um and and that's that's that seems like a pretty important part in her story um the cat itself it turns out was like used to be a little boy, yeah so it's
4: that even is, worse than, like,
0: yeah, <laughs> so that's insane, and then I remember like you know there's the cat's owners who are I guess actually its parents' it's messed up um but uh the there's the scene where they get killed which is like even for like this show which is you know more adult kind of series even for this show it's like a very shocking and uh brutal moment uh, like cuz they're like these kindly old people and you just see them get like mowed down with machine guns um and then yeah the cat at the end is just like i the, the the cat takes two steps outside and is like, I'm not even gonna bother, and then just walks back in into the fire.
4: Yeah, it,
1: it's really harrowing. I mean, uh, like I I I've seen that episode a number of times. Like every time, I'm just like, I I need a minute. <laughs> I need a minute right now. <laughs> um,
0: in uh I think the second season, Matt Matt talked about the the big eel. But I I I like um when the eel comes back in the second season is like this big hydra thing with a bunch of heads. Um, but uh um, another episode I really like though is um, uh, what's the title? I have a, I had an episode list in front of me because I, I um, but uh, well I guess uh, I guess the mega deuce of the episode is Dagon, um, mm-hmm. which is uh, I mean we we mentioned Lovecraft before. There's a lot of Lovecraft uh, nods in this, including like fish people. Um, Dagon is the Megadeuse, which, throughout most of the episode, it seems like it's this uh, monster, like a, more of a kaiju that's coming up and, and wreaking havoc. But, you know, I guess, all like all this, I don't know, sludge and algae and whatever gets like, you know, uh, washed off of it or something and it, and it, it turns out to be a robot. Um, but that's one that like is basically gone rogue because it doesn't have a pilot um but that's a pretty a pretty cool episode um Roger and Angel get stuck in this building underwater um and most of the episode is just like the two of them like talking um and uh you know that that that's just a really good character building episode um um that's the episode where like uh that made me really love Angel as a character um but uh yeah it's kind of like I don't know, that's one of the episodes where I, I felt like it was really stopping to say, like, this is who these people are. You know, they don't just run around and solve mysteries and fight monsters or whatever. Um, and, yeah, there's these uh, these weird, uh, I, guess, I guess they're Paradigm City people that are, it's supposed to be some kind of scuba gear or whatever, but they look like otherworldly, like, frog fish people. Um, which is definitely like a a nod to you know the deep ones um in 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 Lovecraft stories um but that that's that's a favorite of mine um you guys mentioned a lot of the the real standouts uh demon seed um episode is great um
1: i have one more bird which is uh i really like and i forgot to mention this legacy of amadeus is
0: yeah, is that the one yeah. with the piano playing robot? Yeah, like that yeah, one, that's a really good
1: one. It's kind of like, it, Dorothy's basically learning to play piano because a she plays it like she she learns to play pay, play uh, play piano perfectly, but it's so perfect and they want her to play it almost more human like, where like the timing's a little bit off and and it's um, she interacts with Instra, which is like this teacher, and he ends up being used for, to pilot you know, an, a, a, another giant robot that fights Big O, and at the end of it, he ends up losing his hands to in the robot because he was actually, his hands were like basically the controllers. So he has to rip off his, uh, his hands at the end, and it's got this kind of like, and then he realizes after he does that, like, oh, shit, I'm actually born, I was created to be a pianist, but now he can't play. And so like, there's that going on, and then you have Dorothy learning to play piano, and it's, she's as the series progresses like she's becoming more and more human and I think that's just like a really strong episode
3: into showing all this thing yeah um uh there's another episode later on where um which one is which is the episode where Roger and Angel like I don't
0: know kind of like I don't want to say fall in love but like um it's in the second season
3: are 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 you thinking of like stripes maybe
0: yeah probably um
2: the 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 ultra 7 episode
0: yeah yeah that's where her um i don't know her we finally learn what her uh i guess motivation but we finally learn like who she works for and yeah. how they're you know basically at odds with Paradigm City. Um, I really like that episode. Again, that's just a good, like, kind of character episode. Um, I like that the show every, the show has episodes like that where, like, it does kind of slow down a little bit, you know, even in the second season where it seems like, you know, they are trying to go a little bit bigger with it. Um, And uh, that's also, um, I think that's also the one where we figure out that I don't wanna be mistaken here, but I think that's also the one where we find out that uh Alan Gabriel is like kind of like a double agent,
3: yeah yep yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, that's a good one too um um as far as uh characters go uh who who do you guys do you guys ship Roger and Angel or Roger and Dorothy?
3: Yeah, that's an interesting. I mean, I, I think the chemistry betr- for between Roger and Angel,
1: like it seems to be clearly kind of building that way. I do think that like towards the end of the series, you get that more love triangle, and then I think uh, Angel and, and Dorothy have some words over Roger, which is kind of like a interesting dynamic. Um, but I, I think the show does a really good job of having Roger and Angel interact, and like it builds over time, and like. More And it goes from, like, the mild flirtation stuff to, like, them actually caring about each other and sharing... And, like, there's, like, this weird banter back and forth, and then by the end of any episode, we were just kind of talking about... Like, I, I think it really becomes... It, like, becomes this tangible thing, and I, I think it does a really good job with that. Well, Roger we, we Dorothy... see
0: them go from, like, the beginning of the show, they don't like each other, then they get kind of flirty, and then they start to learn about each other, respect each other, and, like you said, it's
3: like a... You actually kind of see how they evolve over time. Yeah. But what, what, yeah. What, what, what about Dorothy? I always saw that as like the, I mean, the, not like father-daughter kind of thing, but like, I don't know. It,
1: it's one of those things where the show doesn't do enough with that necessarily, but it's also because Dorothy isn't quite, realizing that her humanity hasn't come all the way through, but you do get flickers of it. So, like, I am mean, I think it's good writing, but it doesn't do do it for me the way that, like, Roger and Angel because the show's selling you that up front.
4: Okay.
3: Kevin, where do you, you know, fall of,
1: here? Of
2: all of the characters that um want to be Ray Ayanami, I feel like Dorothy's like, <laughs> leader of the pack there. Yeah. <laughs> <'Cause>, <laughs> you know there's there's some there's some good reasons behind it um in terms of like her actual chemistry with, with Roger it, it still feels like it's one of those things that's it's not fully developed um they 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 keep trying to like hint at it and i it it seems like it's enough of a thing that it would kind of mess up any relationship that Roger and Angel would try to have but at the same time like that's that's a that's a tough chemistry to kind of have the two characters uh, just because Dorothy is so stoic and emotionless.
3: When, yeah, uh,
0: poor yeah. Dorothy. She's trying, but it wouldn't work out. Uh, <laughs> um, how old is she supposed to be? Is there, like, a weird thing there, too? How old is anyone supposed to be? <laughs> yeah, that's, <laughs> that's... I mean, yeah, that's, 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 that's not a bad question. Um, yeah, I, I I do like how Roger eventually... It's it's obvious that he cares for her, but, like, anytime time she kind of goes a little overboard into, like, the hey, like, I think we could be a thing, he just kind of, like, shuts down. <laughs> like, he doesn't... Like, he just won't even... Like, he just will not talk to her. He'll just be like, yes, okay, let's go now. Like, Um but, yeah, no, poor Dorothy. She She's, uh... Speaking of Rey, he, she's like the rebuild version of Ray. where it's like, you know, this poor girl, she's really trying to be, like, normal, she's really trying her best, <laughs> um, she keeps getting sucked up by giant magnets and stuff, <laughs> you know, I, I feel for Dorothy. She,
2: she does get kidnapped, uh, she, she's, she's much more of a damsel in distress than, uh than angel is yes angel yeah, I is like 25 uh, of the episodes
4: are
2: <laughs> yeah,
1: magnetized yeah
0: Dorothy. yeah no angel is definitely the bond the bond girl femme fatale uh <laughs> archetype for sure
2: which i mean it's, it's also funny because dorothy's like several times you find out that she weighs like a ton and has super strength <laughs> <laughs> yeah
0: <laughs> um yeah, she yeah, there's that episode where she gets shot. Um and it just like ma- the whole like it makes like a hole through her leg. Um <clears throat> But yeah, uh yeah, you don't really think of like okay, how much would this thing weigh uh, and then it's like, well, yeah, if she's a big clunky robot basically so yeah she probably does weigh way a ton but no that the the one episode uh matt that you mentioned um that's probably one of the best dorothy episodes is the one uh where she, with the piano uh player piano what's the name of the piano playing robot instro instro In- yeah instro is awesome instro is the man
1: um he gets like all crippled or something at the end too right <laughs> Yeah, he they ended up fixing his hands, but the 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 catch is he can't play as well as he did before. He's essentially having to like relearn yeah. because like the wiring, the his uh his creator wasn't around to be and he was the only one that could fix him perfectly. So that was kind of like the punishment for his piling out of the robot or whatever.
4: Yeah. Uh
0: yeah, poor Instro. Um uh I know you guys talked to we we mentioned the music, but I do think it's worth repeating that um the music in this show is excellent. Um. Uh, the action music is more of that kind of Ifukube esque, you know, um, sort of march. But I really like the kind of jazzy, noirish stuff. Myself, it, it goes
2: along so well with like Roger narrating over it, like a like a PI would in a '40s movie. <laughs>
4: yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. It it feels. Very authentic to you know the kind of noir stuff that it's um you know like American film noir is another thing that like this show has like all over it, and yeah it feels it feels like just music from that era more than like oh, we're trying to replicate this thing like it feels extremely authentic like uh um it's not often that I watch shows or movies where I feel like I could listen to the score like, front to back uh, as its own, like, as, like, an album, and I haven't for this, but I feel like I could easily. Um, I really like all the music in it. Um, uh, I, the, the theme song, I, I'm, since I'm a noob to this, I never got to experience the original theme song, um, so, I, yeah, I don't know, I don't know if you guys have any strong opinions there, but, you know, I'm used to that upbeat, big, big, big O uh track that plays at the beginning I I have I I didn't get to experience the the queen knockoff theme
2: <laughs> yeah I can I can speak a, a bit to that I'll I'll first say that like yeah this is definitely like top five OSTs for me um and the the guy that composed it has done a bunch of other stuff like he did the Ultraman Mavius OST also but just nothing is nothing is um Powerful, I think you know there's there's so much bombast in in some of the some of the you know robot battle scenes and then you know the really kind of creepy investigation scenes and it's it is one that I would you know gladly just listen to the o s t for and there's not a whole lot of series that i would that I would do that um as for the openings i I have a strong attachment to the uh to that first um big o opening. Uh, which was um a kind of a kind of very uh flashboard y uh and that's why it was not uh not on the most recent blu-ray release unfortunately
0: isn't it just like fear that someone might try to say it's plagiarized
2: yeah yeah that's exactly what it is it's like it's, something it's that might
0: happen deal... and might not even be like provable
2: <laughs> yeah it's the same deal with the, the the uh chariots of fire music that got uh, taken out of um, Gunbuster, where they're like just so so concerned over it, and I think they have um, credited Brian May at, at certain points for it, which might have been might have been a mistake or not, depending on how much uh, plausible deniability they want
4: there. <laughs>
2: um, if I mean, I, I think it's cool that there's two different Japanese giant robot shows that have Brian May. Uh, doing opening opening music for them because there's also you know um, Starfleet uh, or or X bomber um, but uh, but yeah like the, the that combination of the you know sort of Flash Gordon inspired um, opening which which by the way uh, uh, the I, I was thinking, I think it's Rurina guy that did the, the the opening has like a bunch of Queen inspired music like there's a, a Queen very queenish track uh in Ranma one half. There's a very queen sounding track in uh Chobitz. And this is the only one that seems like it's ever been an issue. So that's that's one thing. Um but but then also the visuals for it are pure like Ultra Seven where mm-hmm. it's you know silhouettes yeah. traveling in front of a um basically like a lava lamp sort of background. Uh and again that's one of those things that some people are like, ah it's this isn't this isn't really ultra
1: seven and
4: like ah, but but it is.
1: Yeah, it is. And I am also pro the original opening. That's I, I the the one that on the, the Blu-ray just doesn't it, it can't hold a candle to the original.
0: So did it, that that theme song on the Blu-ray, you know, the theme song that I know is the intro like is th- is that I think it showed up in an episode somewhere. But what what was where did that music come from?
2: that was composed for a re-airing. So I think when it shows up in the episode, it's actually replacing the uh, original opening
0: when Mm. that was in. Okay. Um, Okay. Now
2: what's, what's interesting is uh, they keep the second opening as background music in throughout the show. Um, Even though the second opening was never aired in the U S because that, that one was very sort of a Jerry Anderson, UFO inspired. Um, so uh was that for season two? Yeah, that was a season two opening. Okay. Uh, and but but they 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 have it as as background music throughout season two is that sort of.
4: Da, 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 That's da, probably da, da. just
2: something that got.
0: Like sl- slipped through the cracks.
2: Yeah. I, I You know, it's it's either that or the, it was just in so many places that they couldn't find something appropriate to replace it with or or maybe they just didn't care that much um it's you know the second opening i'm not as attached to as the first opening like i think it's neat that they did a ufo homage but um because that one was never
3: brought to the states uh you know kind of like well whatever but um ufo did ufo never come out here uh ufo came out here uh just
2: just the just that that opening credit ah, sequence right, right, for the right, second right. season never came came here.
0: Um <clears throat> No, the music in this is is excellent. Um I yeah, I mean uh I'm not sure if the OST is I don't know. I on like Apple Music or whatever, but I'm, I I I should look.
3: Um So, uh We talked about the
0: ending, uh, and I I think that kind of needs to uh, be addressed in, I guess, a little bit more detail. Um, Well, I guess before we do that, because some of this might play into that, I'm sure if someone listening who is like a big nerd for for Big O is probably wondering, like, are we going to bring up symbolism? Uh, I don't, I, I'm not sure I am educated <laughs> enough to, to really pick up on a lot of the symbolism that, I don't know, like, we, 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 we uh, one of you guys sent, like, um, or maybe it was a, a buddy of ours in another, in, like, a, a group chat, but sent us, like, a big, um, th- explanation, big O explained thread, and, like, I don't know, I, I it kinda gets into the same thing that you kinda get into with like Evangelion where some stuff is just like, Hey, that's a visual nod, and then other stuff it has like some deep kind of meaning to it. Um so I don't know if there's anything that you guys want to say about symbolism in here. And I don't really have much 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 to say. I, I know the the three big mega day <laughs> I guess, i'm not sure how to say that um are, are are i guess uh named after jewish mythological creatures um or uh or their allegories for them are inspired by them with uh big o being behemoth big duo being ziz um which is a creature of the sky um behemoth is a creature of the land and then leviathan wh- which is the big foul um parallel is uh the 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 water um god or the water creature
2: um because there are uh meg Megadae that are uh, named leviathan and, and behemoth
3: so i didn't didn't pick up on that i just thought uh assume those are separate
1: yeah like the leviathan um it, it's there's a biblical sea monster that that's like the leviathan and then you have behemoth which is from the book of job which would be the uh, from judaism but yeah like there's like there's some of that stuff going on but i i in this show it just super feels like window dressing than anything else yeah
0: it, it definitely doesn't seem as prominent as you know evangelion something like evangelion Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, I know there's all kinds of reads on things like the uh the red balloon um that shows up a lot, uh things like that, but um I don't know, to me there was never anything strikingly obvious about what a lot of that stuff represented and I mean, I'm more than willing to admit that that could just be my ignorance <laughs> you know coming into play, but um uh yeah, I, I it, 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 it seems more like it's just you know trying to give us imagery that is striking and and surreal, um, more yeah. than you know any going out of its way to to draw some some you know parallel to the Bible or or mythological stuff.
2: <laughs> So I mean, the the tomatoes as a symbol are basically n- hardly even a symbol because they come out and spell it out so many times. As <laughs> they they are. Um, yeah. Memories are kind of an interesting thing in the show because even that is something that's a little confusing. Is what are they? How do they work? Um. So that's that's one of those symbols that you can kind of argue is like a, a legit mechanic in the in in the world of the show, but also kind of Something that's symbolic in that place until the whole you know it, like Justin would say gnostic argument of like well how how important is the is the knowledge of the past and and yada, 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 yeah, um, you know, I think all of the symbolism involving the stage is very obvious uh, in terms of like, oh, we're all actors and we're playing our parts, uh but in terms well, of how be. literal it supposed to be it's very <laughs> confusing.
4: Yeah,
0: like, yeah. um, our friend Brian, I'm I'm looking at this thread that he sent us, which is a whole wacky <laughs> wormhole, but, um, you know, this, uh, I, this writer on this forum saying, you know, the Red Balloon identifies glitches in Rosewater's scenario, um, including, um, the Union, the Three, megadie, uh, Young, Dostin and, uh, Rowan, um, <laughs> his conclusion is Roger is a clone and destined to die. Um, It is likely that Angel can't bear this, and thus, as the director, keeps the infinite loop going, despite her knowledge that she will lose her memory every time. I mean, there's some interesting kind of brain candy in some of this, but nothing that I would... I mean, this is where you get into interpretation over... I guess what's kind of there and i i mean stuff like this is open to interpretation i for sure i'm i'm sure the creators like like anno i'm sure a lot of it is like make of this you know what what you will kind of deal but uh but yeah I, as far as is i guess the i don't know a, a lot of reading into things like you know um certain symbols and what they mean i i don't know that i would get too crazy with that um but we we, but but yes um let's get away from that and and into the ending the the ending of uh the last episode of the show run it, it it goes pretty normal until like the last like 10 minutes or so where it just goes bananas um and we just very quickly we get you know a this big long monologue from Roger, all while um big Venus, which i guess is uh i don't know i i guess it's you can't say it's a female <laughs> uh, Mega Deuce, but it's uh um comes in like yeah yeah it emerges with um uh does it merge with big o
4: it,
2: it, it merges with Angel.
0: Right. And then, yeah, yeah. And then, um, you know, you kind of see the environment, you know, I don't want to say set because, you know, it's animated. And they're not really on a set. But it kind of breaks down into these, uh, like, grids, you know, almost like a, a, like a animation grid or something. And... You know, Roger is is talking to Angel and like telling her like she needs to let people keep their memories and um so on and so forth. You know, i a big Venus can can alter people's memories. And um Roger is saying, um, you know, re- reality uh you know venus can can rewrite reality uh, or alter people's memories and 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 things like that and he's saying you know uh don't do that um and he's like nego- basically negotiating with her um you know hey let people keep their their memories um and then they they kind of like walk <laughs> I don't know, what do you, they walk, like, through each other, (laughs) kind of, um, and then, and then, uh, you see Roger with Angel and Dorothy, and Roger is able to confront Angel as, um, I guess this kind of, uh, this director or stage manager or author or something, um, and, uh, but, uh, and and then like the show just kind of like replays like an alternate version of where it begins and then it ends and you know you see angels i guess director or whatever um paral- parallel character like writing in a in like a journal um yeah and then and then the show ends and so like big O seasons one and two like the whole thing is pretty you know there's a lot of mystery stuff that doesn't get explained but more or less pretty straightforward and then that ending happens and you're just like what just what just happened to me um
2: like er earlier in the same episode like daston is having like an existential nightmare because he like sees himself as a child walk into a theater and and watch a movie that he is starring in, that he has no recollection of like a movie about his life. And he just comes in and starts like wailing on the kid because (laughs) what, what the hell would you do in this situation? (laughs) Uh, So there's definitely some
3: like, what the, what the hell is going on uh, leading up to this? Um, But, you know,
2: Reality is glitching is as good an explanation as as any you know kind of come to that. Yeah. But yeah, I don't think anybody was prepared for for the ending as as we got because it was just very. There's there's kind of a neat idea behind it in that I think it's it's almost like directly it's very meta and that's sort of confronting a whole lot of the, the speculation that you you know you see. And this is, granted, speculation that the show itself has is complicit in setting up, so, you know. Uh, but you see you see you Roger, like, early on in the episode, he's, like, sinking into the ocean, and he has these flashes of memory. It's like, oh, there was a great war, and there was an apocalypse, and, and I was brainwashed as a child to have these fake memories. And he's like, no, no, that's not true. Then he has another vision, and he sees, like, New York as it was, you know, sort of in the, you know... 30s or whatever uh, that he had another flashback of he's like oh no that's also not true and then he sees himself like as a robot being mass produced and he's like no that's also not true and and then he he comes up and, and confronts uh, Big Venus and he's like I don't know anything about myself but I do know that I don't want to know and that's kind of that might be kind of a, an act of rebellion against the whole idea of explaining everything to begin with <laughs>
0: Yeah, it's it's an interesting ending. Um you know, we we kind of get the idea that Roger's story is like a TV show. And um you know, and and we see, you know, Angel being, you know, her you know, hanging out and being kind of like con- consoled by uh, who I I don't know, the actors or who, I don't know, uh, but Roger and Dorothy essentially in that control room um but, you know, I, I, I've seen, you know, people say, you know, um, Roger not having his watch at the end implies that the Mega Die, Mega Day, uh, Mega Deuces are no longer a thing. Um, uh, so, you know, okay, this is like her last rewrite for this, and she's just going to let it be, whatever. I do think that there is something to say about the you know, what, what we were saying, the Gnostic approach to this whole thing is, is that, you know, Roger, throughout all of this, his ultimate goal is not you know, he's like one of the only characters that really isn't so much hung up on, like, finding his old memories. Like, Angel, she wants to find memories. Like, uh, she wants to sell memories. And, and, you know, there's, like, this idea that, you know, memories are, like, on the, on these, like, drives and, you know they can be sold or 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 whatever on like a black market but um you know Roger really doesn't seem all that interested in figuring out who he is where he's from you know and he says he says throughout the series you know his his goal is to live life you know as it is as he is and so he's he's just kind of like yeah whatever it was it's not important right now he, he it's kind of like a I want to live in the now Kind of, um, kind of thing to like use that cliché, you know, live for the moment kind of thing. That that seems like the kind of person he is, and uh, he's he, he's at he's he's like he hates when memories pop up. He's like I I don't want to know this, like I don't care. And so there, you know, maybe that is kind of the ultimate message here is like, and I don't know, maybe it's also getting a little bit meta and saying to us like, hey. And maybe it's also, like, maybe even a little bit of a jab at, you know, Cartoon Network's, like, hey, solve the mystery thing is, like, <laughs> in solving the mystery, they're almost... This answer to the mystery is almost, like, them saying, like, it doesn't matter, dude. <laughs> and, and and you know, I remember after I watched this episode, I messaged you guys, and I'm like, I don't know if I love this ending or if I hate it. And Kevin was like, <laughs> well, from an Evangelion fan, you know, that sounds... That sounds like the right response. But um, there are really interesting ways of looking at, at, at this, I think. And I, I do kind of like my little read that, like, in giving the answer, they also were able to tell us that the mystery never mattered all along. I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I'm curious to hear what you guys
1: yeah, think about it. I feel like, you know, the. The the mystery sets up the question about how much do memories matter, and the answer is well they don't. And then it directs you to follow these characters, watch them progress through the series, and then you get this weird like, are they clones? How many people are actually robots? You find out like the we haven't talked about him, but and I can't remember his name, but like Roger goes to this informant, like throughout the entire series, who's giving him these these tips basically, and you find out in the last episode he's actually also a robot. Everybody's a tomato. uh They have that bit where, like, you find that there's the thing with Angel, where not only does she have like scars on her back from abuse, like she's like, you, she, she's always talking about getting her wings and things. And then, like, you you eventually see she's actually been abused and she's got these scars on her back. And then she literally becomes an angel with wings later on. It's so, like some of that stuff's on the nose. But what I what I like about the series is that with the way that it ends the memories and looking back at the past um, weren't the issue. The issue was like how they develop and they live as people today. I think there's something, I mean, a very on the nose read is just like, you're always living in the past. You're never going to see what's directly in front of you. And I feel like that's kind of how the episode leaves off on just like the most basic way. Now, as far as like what actually happened in the show, I have no idea. And I have a question (laughs) actually, because like how much clout does the whole like, was there going to be a season three even planned? Like, I know we talked about um, Kanaka having, like, another idea. Yeah. But, like, did that ever get get anywhere? Because I can't seem to find any sort of news or sources I've that suggest... I've seen,
0: like, like uh, mentions of it. Like, and I know, I know Kanaka was quoted a couple times talking about, like, oh, we're talking. But especially if, you know, your read on the end of the show, like mine is like, oh, well, maybe... Maybe all the maybe getting hung up on the past isn't something we should be doing. Um it is interesting to think about how a third season would be handled. Now, Kevin, I know you were uh trying to pipe in a minute ago, but um but yeah, that's this is a a, a Kevin question as far as like how far they got into anything, if anything, on a third.
2: Yeah, so so we've gotten um, you know, kind of mentions from from Adult Swim specifically, uh, where people kind of were asking them about season three and they just said, well, Tanaka has ideas, but the ratings aren't very good and the DVD sales aren't very good. And, you know, at this rate, we can't justify it. And that's where it ended.
1: <laughs> so, Yeah, I guess my question is, like, were they, would the ending to season two have been different if season three had, like, Any real traction. Like how different would it have been?
2: I can't imagine just because of the amount of time it would have taken in development, like he wouldn't be able to to change the ending on the fly
3: based on the episodes already airing um not getting good ratings. So uh I I think that I, I think that it might, you know,
2: really, really, really long shot. Maybe they had some like canned alternate ending if, if things were doing like crazy numbers. But what I imagine they would probably do is they would just kind of do like a soft reboot or something like that if if they if they really wanted to to bring it back. And uh that's something that happens from time to time. If you look at like Tenchi Universe versus Tenchi in Tokyo, like or
3: something like that, it's like yeah it's the same franchise but it's kind of a different show what was your uh, take
1: on the uh i i interrupted with my question what was your take on the on the ending kevin uh i
2: i i was definitely blabbergasted by it and it's it's one of those it's it's one of those uh endings that <sighs> there's so many there's so many bad endings out there you know. Um, think about like the way the berserk anime ends if you aren't aware of the manga or uh the first time you see end of evangelion with somebody or or so on and so forth um it's just you just sit there like in shock afterwards and uh yeah definitely that this is this is one of those that you know we've we've had a long time to to digest it um and and seeing birds (laughs) uh complete confusion i was like oh did did we not warn you about that (laughs) but um i do think that you know as as we've been you know talking talking it through there are kind of definitely some some strong themes that we can come out of with that you know and then you know but like we're saying roger is a negotiator he's not a pi despite you know the cinematic language of the show basically having him be a PI. He's not really somebody whose job it is to investigate backstory to things. So from that perspective, him basically haggling with God to get the city back to where it was uh, makes sense. Uh, Just as, you know, somebody who likes things to make sense. I, I, (laughs) I get frustrated when I'm like, okay, but like, why does Paradigm City question mark Uh, and i kind of like that's a that's a hang-up that i have myself Uh, i also think that anytime you are watching something and it ends with the answer well god did it it's that the writer kind of wrote themselves into a corner and didn't have answers to all of the clues that they were dropping along the way and they were kind of setting up a mystery thinking like "Eh, we'll we'll figure this out which is is not a good way to do like a series bible or whatever
0: (laughs) no rebuild oh what yeah yeah (laughs) Yeah. um as someone who doesn't always need things to make sense um i think the where i where i would meet in the middle with you is (sighs) kind of what you were saying about right being written into a corner like in season one and two, but it's it's first referenced in season one, I believe. Maybe in the last episode episode of the season, I'm not, sh- don't quite remember. But you know, you get into this whole, there were kids with barcodes, and Rosewater Senior was like writing memories into them, and one of them is kind of implied. It was Roger as a kid. And then it almost seems like that's... I, I don't... Yeah, I, I can't say confidently that it seems like they knew what any of that meant when they put it there. um Kind of like how, you know, The Force Awakens, they, there's that flashback or whatever with the shot of, like, Luke's hand, Luke's metal hand, like, grabbing onto R2. Like, they they didn't know what that meant when they put it there. And so... So yeah, throughout like the those movies, you know, like Ryan Johnson had to be the poor bastard that like they were like, "Hey, Abram's did all this stuff, like you figure it out." And he was like, "I okay, I'll do my best." And so he had to like keep rewriting the episode uh, episode 8. So it, I think this is something like that where they were like, oh, this is cool stuff that will, yeah, if we get another season, we'll, uh, we'll get in there. And then the the next season happens and it's like, they, they aren't, they're, they're still more concerned with, and probably rightfully so they're, they're, they're more, they're still more concerned with the characters journeys than going backwards. And yeah, at the end they're like, oh, we don't need to go backwards so much. And so it, it the more cynical part of me feels like that whole, um, well, it's uh, actually a TV show being written by a different version of Angel, and that's all it is. That almost feels like they're discarding all of those things that they were threading through it. But on the other hand, that also does lead to some interesting reads. So it's, I don't know, it's kind of a wash, like, between like what you're saying and what I think are maybe the more appealing parts of the ending. It's almost like they almost just end up canceling each other out in a way, (laughs) you know, but, but yeah, I, I'm not sure that everything in there had a purpose.
2: See, see the, the example that you gave seemed very straightforward and I feel like they were just trying to throw out more and more twists to the point where like nothing adds up at the end, you know, Because you're like, okay, so Roger is he looks like he's in his his 20s or 30s, but everybody lost their memories 40 years ago. But he has some fragment of memory somehow that allows him to pilot Big O. How is this the thing? Oh, he has these flashbacks to when he was a child. And we know that Gordon Rosewater had performed experiments on a whole bunch of children 15 years ago where he was trying to implant them with memories you can, like, clap your hands and be like, okay, full, closed loop. Roger had these memories implanted. That's why he's who he is. Until you get to season two, and Gordon Rosewater's like, no, you are never one of my tomatoes. And then you're like, well, shit. Okay, then. So we don't know
4: anything. So that's one
1: of those yeah, there's that thing where he's like, I just made everything up. And then, like, he burns the book or what, <laughs> like, the, yeah. the fake memories or whatever. Yeah. The, the, I mean... The book,
2: which was you know messages that he got from god which was apparently angel you
3: know <laughs> this kind of <laughs> yeah it's
1: it raises more questions than answers and i think when you think about it too hard either it's going to really frustrate you or it's going to win you over with the character work which is what it's done for me but like i think this is a show where your mileage is absolutely just gonna it's going to vary across the board because i think there's a there's a really large appeal um anybody who like you love batman the animation is going to win you over if you the the soundtrack's amazing there's a lot of really awesome things about the show but i think as we're talking about it now like if you're somebody that needs every question answered and you're watching this like i can see why it's going to frustrate you and it really is that twin peaks thing where they didn't want to you know solve the mystery at first and then they ended up doing it but in this case. It's like nah eh, they just decided not to actually give you all the answers and you have to be okay with that.
0: Yeah, un- unlike um, Twin Peaks they did re- didn't so really they didn't really flop, follow but... the mystery to a, its logical conclusion. This one is just kind of like, "Oh, well, you know, it's all fake and all those things that you thought we were going to answer is just a whatever." Like Twin Peaks they were forced to actually answer like, "Hey, what's going on in this they're like eh, we're gonna not really answer that <laughs> you know so i still don't know what's up with the kids <laughs> with the barcodes or the or
1: <laughs> you know stuff like that but well, there's like that mass-produced roger sequence too that like
0: yeah i don't yeah that's weird
2: which i so... mean that, that that's that's dismissed as quickly as it's brought up which is kind of it feels like he was like reading fan theories on the internet. And one of them was Rogers and Android. He's like, haha, I'm going to, I'm going to bring this up as a possibility
1: and then say, it's not the case. Yes. Yeah, it's, so. it's, it's insane the way that like, okay. I, I I do have a question. So like, there's, there's some debates about like, who are the foreigners, right? Because are these the people that they like, wh- who are the foreigners and why are they of such like significance? They talk about the foreign mega and all that stuff. Cause I like, I don't know if that ever really gets answered. I know they exist, but I'm not sure if we understand, like, the reasoning behind it. Well, we find
2: out eventually that the Union, like everything else, is fake and that it's all implanted memories and there's not actually any foreigners. But until that point, it's kind of implying that, oh, there's people outside of outside of the city that still survive and it's not all just a giant desert. Uh, and that's kind of an intriguing possibility in and of itself. And we know that, you know, Alex is going and meeting with these people for, for some things and that they have some technology of their own and they have, you know, infiltrated the city and they have, you know, their little like terrorist cells that are doing terrorist cell activities and so on and so forth. Um, and there are, they seem to maybe be French, but uh, <laughs> that that much is kind of, Big, like they they acknowledge the existence of other countries. Like, they say specifically that uh, is German, so there's also um,
0: the one where is it Beck that has like these Japanese investors visit him? Yeah, and they're they're very they're depicted in racially problematic uh, (laughs) uh, uh, ways. I I guess (laughs) we would we could
4: say.
2: It's always fun when you know, this is something teeth. that was done in Japan, aping American styles. So, like, where does this fall on the racism like spectrum? I don't know.
0: Which you you were saying? I I don't remember if it was you or our buddy Justin that was saying like that happens like alarmingly often. Yeah, <laughs> in anime, yeah, watch, like
2: Cyber Six. That's another one that has like a really like over the top racist uh, drawing effect. Of- uh, some of the Japanese characters in that. <laughs> <That's>
1: weird. Uh, <laughs> let's, let's take the most offensive thing and do it in our version of it. I, I, like, Why? <laughs> I,
4: don't I don't understand. Know.
1: Uh, <laughs> they got like I mean they they legitimately they have like the it's the buck teeth and the, like the it's just it's not
0: good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It it looks like the old like. uh um Like political comics from like World War two era, yeah, yeah. Um, uh well kevin we we've talked about ultra Seven and tokusatsu references um but there's a lot in this, probably more than i even I picked up one one that I got right away was the first Mega Deuce, Dorothy One the second that came out, I was like, that's Balton.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: That's like, that's, that's Balton. Um, but, uh, and we talked about the, the original opening being, you know, like the ultra seven opening. Um, but, uh, what are some other ones, um, that, uh, you know, um, Kaiju, uh, uh and Tokusatsu nerds could, could pick out here. We mentioned well, robot uh, detective also, but other than Yeah. That, yeah.
2: Yeah, they they said that, you know, one of the big inspirations for the series was actually Super Robot Red Baron, which is, you know, not what I would have have picked out of a of a lineup, but uh more power to them that they said they wanted to do something like that on a on a massive budget. Um Uh continuing the Ultra Seven, you know, I, I refer to episode twenty as the Ultra Seven episode because that has, you know, the the silhouette confession scene in front of water, you know, like the um Mm-hmm. like in the Ultra 7 finale um you find out that Angel is Agent 340 which if you know your Ultra 7 lore that's that's Ultra 7's real name and and then the uh the robot in that which is a combination of the foreign megaducers uh was kind of um
3: uh a King Joe Uh Bonaparte is the the name of the megaduce in that episode um uh aside from that there are
2: you know like we've we've talked about batman all of the things he, he roger has a really cool car uh that oh uh, it, has... it,
0: it does like the tim burton batmobile like a bunch of the same like tricks
2: <laughs> yeah yeah um there's a there's a gargoyles nod in in one of the episodes where there are some (laughs) very suspiciously similar looking
3: gargoyles that he drives past or or walks (laughs) past or something. Um, You know, all of, all, all of the the musical stingers that
2: do feel very ifukube uh, to them. Uh, I'm trying to think of more like specific examples uh, off the top of my head. Um, The, the box art for the um, DVD set is actually, uh, a parody of uh, Yuji Kaida's Ultra Seven uh, Laserdisc box art,
3: also uh, not the not the U.S. release, but the Japanese uh, or international box or whatever. Interesting. Um.
0: Yeah, this this I don't know. This this is a, a creative show. You know, when we were talking, when you guys were talking about you know what what's up with the foreign mega do mega do this is. <laughs> um <laughs> you guys you guys were um were talking about that and i kind of got the idea like if you were to somehow build this franchise more if there is a season 3 or a reboot or a spin-off or whatever it would maybe be interesting to see what other parts of the world are like I mean, you, you, if you, even if you want to stay true to the the ending of like, oh, it's all a uh, 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 a construct or whatever, you know, you could have someone else writing like, oh, this is Big O in uh, America, this is Big O in um, in in Europe, this is Big O in Mexico, whatever, you know, you could, I, I, I don't know, I, I feel like that might be more interesting than. Catching up with Roger and the
3: gang again.
2: I feel like so much of the, it's so very
3: ingrained in that Gotham setting that I don't know how well it would translate to other locales. Um,
2: I, I could see you doing stories about stuff going on in Paradigm City that has nothing to do
3: with our, our main cast, but I don't, I feel like in some ways. The city is more important than than the robots or anything. Mm. Yeah, that's a good point.
0: Do we know that he was he like what was before Dorothy won? What what would he do with Big O? Like, were there mega deuces that showed up before that?
3: Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um. So we I I know
2: in the manga there's like a story that actually takes place before the the, the first story with Dorothy know how canonical you want to make that who knows but you know it, it, there's nothing in it that suggests that that's the first time that this sort of thing has happened if if you'll notice it's a kind of like very exasperated like police captain like ah we've got a yeah. big idea here so
4: yeah
0: yeah Because I was thinking, like, you, I don't know, you could almost, you, you, there would be a way to do a prequel and even answer some of that unanswered stuff, but, like, whoever did it, whether it's the same guys or not, like, you would have to be very careful not to veer in the direction of fan service and getting into, like, this is what the, the fans wanted last time and didn't get, like, you'd have to be, like, creative about it. Don't go all, don't go all, uh thrice upon a time with it you know
4: (laughs) yeah
2: and i know there's like a light novel that i haven't tracked down um it's you know all in japanese and there was like an audio drama also that i think has a translation somewhere but um there are some like apocryphal pieces of, of media floating around out there and so i i think that there's there's a lot of bandwidth for additional big o stories if you wanted to do them and i would i would honestly just prefer to have that sort of much more episodic flavor that we got in the first season yeah um
0: would uh have you read the manga uh
2: it's been it's been a while i read it as it was coming out in manga power in germany so this would have been like early 2000s. <laughs>
0: are there oh, any God. uh like I guess worthwhile comparisons
3: or differences that are worth talking about? Uh I that means no. <laughs> no. No.
2: I I mean it 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 shuffles the events all around compared to where they happen in the show, but you know, a, a lot of the same the same beats are there. Overall the manga is not as like satisfying of an experience um it's yeah like a lot of these tie-in manga this was one of those deals where you know the the author was kind of like given the sort of early drafts of, of what the show would be and kind of did his own thing with it yeah but um uh you know if you're if you're a completist that's probably uh something to something to check out but you know i don't have a copy of it here
3: so it's it's been a it, it, it wasn't that inspirational All right, well, um, you
0: know, you guys were bringing up the differences uh in season one and season two, and I Matt has kind of mentioned um <clears throat> that the style changes for me it didn't so much feel like the style was changed. You know, the animation style, it, it everything just seemed kind of more expensive-looking to me. Like, this is them with more money, kind of. So much than, a, you know... It, to me, the biggest difference was more in the story aspect of being more... It, it, it's a little more episodic, I think, than it gets credit for the second season. But it, defi- it definitely does hammer in more of a, the ongoing serialized elements of it.
3: So uh if you look at
2: the time period that this happened at, it makes absolute sense that you'd see this shift because in 1999 it was still usual procedure to animate everything on cells. By 2001, everything was getting animated uh digitally. Yeah. So that's that's the change that you see uh, largely in going from the first season to the second season. Mm-hmm. And it's not as obvious as it is with some shows that went through that transition, but you do notice it. Um,
0: I guess that's probably what I mean when I say it looks more expensive. Like, everything looks, like, cleaner and, like, mm-hmm. shinier, like, literally and figuratively. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Yeah, yeah. You, you don't notice those little little animation errors um, or like the, especially if you're watching it on the Blu-ray. Like sometimes, if if you're dealing with cells, you can actually like see the see the shadow of the cell on the on the background page or something like that. And when to go digital, that
3: all disappears entirely. Um. So
0: uh oh you know there was another did you mention uh the king joe thing
2: yes okay yeah. okay okay
0: i wanted to make sure we got that one in um but yeah the so big we, the, what now who should, who's the one we now? should
2: generally just talk about the robots because the robots are pretty well
0: pretty yeah cool. with the so yeah as far as the robots or any i guess uh action pieces with the robots I mean, are there any favorites in in
3: the house here? I mean, this this is this is a, a just a, a real basic basic
2: element of the show, but it's so viscerally satisfying. Is Big O has these giant pistons coming out of its elbows and it will punch and then the piston comes in and the air pressure from that piston <laughs> blows the thing apart that it's punched and every time especially as the music crescendos it's just you want to like stand up and cheer
0: (laughs) (laughs) that is pretty no i i really like that too we we, you know we've seen rocket elbows in other anime or since in, in in or even like in pacific rim and it's always awesome but this was like taking that and like 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 it's that idea, like on crack, and it's all. <laughs> it, it, I, that is why you know my answer is a, such a normy answer. Like my favorite of the mega deuces is, is Big O. Like it's just so cool, you know. i a big foul, big duo. The other three bigs, they're they're neat and everything, but like they almost get into like the oh we're we're too fancy schmancy mm-hmm. kind of. But Big O is just that right level of like. Um. Uh, like lump, big lumbering old school robot with just this really cool new feature and the other ones get all, all into like oh this one has like all these other like they, they're almost like all overly designed in a way but big o is like nice and simple that's how i like it
2: yeah i think it's a you know I think it's great that Big O is is a great design. You know, obviously the show came out of having a cool robot design, and they're like make a show out of this. Um, and th- there has been a bunch of merchandise over the years, including uh, there's a there's a Big O shogokin that was so fancy that it came with a set of gloves for you to to play with it with, so you didn't get your fingerprints all over it. <laughs> um, but uh, you know, the other two Mega Deuces, as you said, um, the other two bigs uh were not they, they didn't do much for me. Uh I do like some of the other designs, like um all of all of Bex, these really crappy, stupid looking ones, are are just a lot of fun. Especially when they, you know, get destroyed in a single punch or something. Um and uh, you know, the the one uh, Bonaparte that's kind of a kind of a King Joe looking sucker. Yeah, it's the a, a combination of the of the the previous uh, enemies like that's so, such a toyetic concept that it's sort of a shame that they didn't really do anything with that. Um, and then you know a handful of the other ones. You know I would I would because I'm a Kaiju guy I'd totally pick up you know the uh, Chimera from the Missing Cat episode or or something like that if they if they made figures of them. But uh, it didn't didn't quite catch on to that extent where they were. <laughs> you know, uh, really uh, selling it up. You, you know, the, it had the standard, you know, push of like, oh, here's four different figures you can buy, or whatever.
1: Yeah. yeah. I, yeah, I mean, I have the same Normie answer that I think Big is my favorite. I do, I really do love Dorothy One, even though, I mean, it's, it's literally just Bolton, but it, it looks really, it's a neat rendition of that design.
2: Um,
0: yeah, I also like the one that looks like an old toy uh the humanitis or yeah yeah something like that i i like that one a lot um uh oddly enough i liked uh i liked the dagon i liked that one more when it was like a weird like sea sludge monster (laughs) you know when it it turned out to be a robot i was just like yeah but you know i'm i'm a kaiju guy like like that but um Overall, I mean, the designs are all really, really nifty. Um, uh, I. There's also the one that is really interesting looking in that it's like a weird. I don't know. It's like a weird, like. It's like a giant. It's like a shape. (laughs) That's the one that is like, uh. Um it was like it saved the one guy the 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 guy that fell over the bridge um
4: you originally oh, see yeah.
0: it as like this thing that just looks like a big shape and then you know later you know you see that it has you know uh you know Wasn't hands. It like pro-
2: yeah or, or, the projection in the fog yeah yeah osrail or whatever yeah yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, that that's a really good episode too that we we didn't really talk about. But um yeah, you know, later on you see it more in like a normal robot looking form, but yeah, the first glimpses you get of it are like really strange. Um uh there's really there's not really any that I would be like, "Oh, you know, that looks
3: dumb or whatever. They're all cool." <laughs> I was curious, how do you guys feel about the dub? Because I I love this dub.
0: Um, I only watched the dub. That's how I, like I said earlier, I didn't even know that the proper pronunciation was Megadeus. But I really liked the dub. I I think the only voice that really, the the only voices that kind of got to me a little bit were the villains, but those characters are already so crazy and almost like they're coming out of a different show that I don't know that I would say they're inappropriate, but they didn't quite do it for me. But I mean, Roger, Dorothy, Norman, I mean, those are all like, you know, perfect. So I, I, I really liked the dub myself.
2: Yeah. I mean, this is, this is one of those shows, uh, lazy comparison to Cowboy Bebop, but you know,
1: Yeah, well, it doesn't have spite. I mean, you get the same guy that, uh, voices
2: spike yeah yeah It's is steve bloom and as as a lead in both so you know that's that's why it's it's so easy to make that comparison um but
3: you know he 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 always uh knocks it out of the park but uh you know the others um you know i
2: i think that um wendy lee is really good as angel and um crispin freeman is always
3: fantastic so when he shows up as um island gabriel it's like yeah so um there are you know like the maybe like the guy that plays uh daston like i wasn't fully on board with at
2: first but he like gets better over the course of the show so
0: well i think that he lays it on really thick and like the first like chunk of the show is where he's like more just like some dumb guy <laughs> like, you, know? <laughs> you know you so know he's like the dumb like befuddled cop Guy and then like once he becomes more of a real character, he he gets mu- it gets much more bearable.
1: Yeah, I I, I love this dub. I I think the the cowboy bebop. Compa- I mean, like cowboy bebop is it's for my money the best uh, dub dubbed anime property. But like this is probably my second. I mean, if I'm gonna watch a, a show dubbed, I, I those would be my my two recommendations. Um. Mm-hmm i i absolutely love the the i i think beck's voice i mean like it's purposeful i think and how stupid he sounds that one's the that one's bad (laughs) that's the only that's the one
0: that i would say is bad
1: (laughs) (laughs) he's like either grating or charming and and i i think it just kind of depends on your read there because i mean that's that's a purposeful thing but yeah i think beck is kind of the one voice where i i feel like people might be like this guy needs to stop
4: talking
0: yeah we didn't mention his like weird sidekicks. Like there's the one guy that I guess they, they needed to have two Joker homage characters. Like, <laughs>
2: I think it's kind of, it's, it's a trope that you you see in stuff, basically going back to Yatterman, where you have like this trio of thieves Yeah, uh, and like team rocket does the same thing in Pokemon where it's like these three kind of like bumbling and there's like kind of a, kind of a, a leader
3: character and two, you know, sidekicks. And and that's that's your gang. Yeah, but um, I don't know. That's Big O. Is there anything else that we we're we we
0: maybe overlooked? I'm sure there is, but is there?
2: <laughs> I I just remember every time um, an Overstock.com commercial came on, and it would start with, "Do you know the secret of the Big O?" uh you just shout out something completely uh that seems like a non sequitur like <laughs> ah, people are not ruled by their memories and, and, <laughs> you see how many people uh in the room understand what you're doing
3: Why is it called big o is there a is that an, an is there an answer to that uh, there there might be an answer to that but uh
0: Whenever I type big O into Google, I get this, like, uh, like computer programming crap. <laughs> <laughs> like, I guess that's, like, I don't know if it's, like, some kind of code or whatever, but... Uh, big O notation. Okay, it's a mathematical notation that describes the limiting behavior of a function when the argument tends toward a particular value or infinity.
1: God, I'm right. having flashbacks to singular point right now. Yeah, it's <laughs> just some
0: math stuff. Don't get me on... Uh, don't don't get me talking about math. I can't. Um All right, well, uh so how many um how many suicide cats do you give this out of 5?
1: Uh look, I love the show. I, I as I said before, I think your mileage may vary. Um there's some frustrations with it, but I it, it's a show that I revisit I go back to i have uh fond memories of ironically so i'm gonna give this a four out of five there's some room for improvement but it, it's one that i really it just kind of hits all the right notes and it's not something that even with those frustrations like I, they don't hold me back from enjoying it so four out of five uh tomatoes uh i'm gonna do a four out of five as well
0: Um, I really like all the kind of philosophical questions it brings up. Even if it doesn't answer them, I don't think that they all need to be answered. Um, The ending is equally interesting and frustrating. Um, And, uh, you know, I I think it would have been more satisfying narratively to kind of, you know connect some more things in the in that second season but hey you know if they thought like oh we might get a third season you know whatever i'll give them the benefit of the doubt but overall it's a four um and i like that it's episodic too um you know i you know it's something where you know hey if i if i'm in the right mood i can just throw on an episode and and that'll be that so uh four out of five for me also kevin
2: hey some some neat trivia i just came across uh in the twelfth century, executioner swords would tend to have the phrase "cast in the name of God, ye not guilty on them so
0: huh. well, there you go
2: um anyway uh, I have a very strong attachment to that first season. The second season, I do kind of feel like it loses its footing a little bit um so I tend to revisit that a little bit less frequently um but overall, the presentation is still really strong the music is phenomenal uh the animation is is really good the designs are great uh the characters are likable and it's it's very memorable and this world setting is just you know as confusing as the world is it's it's really uh iconic and 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 on one hand very much like what you've seen in Batman on the other hand very much not like something that you've seen before, um so you know
3: this sort of combination of all these factors like i have to I have to deduct a point for just the the pure bewilderment that <laughs> I kind of get through that
2: second season, but uh otherwise I'm gonna have to give it uh, four out of five uh and- androids that keep playing the piano when I'm trying to sleep past noon.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah roger is definitely like me he likes whenever possible he will sleep until who knows how late um all right well that's the big O. um usually unfortunately it's not on any real streaming services the first season i think is on high dive second season i don't know if it's maybe the cartoon network of it all but is only available on blu-ray from what i can tell right now. Um Luckily, the the Blu-ray set, whenever Sentai Filmworks does a sale or something, is usually pretty cheap. Um, so yeah, I encourage uh, people to check it out. If you're not into anime but love giant robots, giant monsters, and you know Tokusatsu or Batman um, <laughs> or Dark City, uh, I, I I really I really recommend it. I had a really good time with it. I'm I'm glad I finally sat down and and gave it the the time and attention it it deserved.
1: Um Now if we can just get you to watch SSS
3: Gridman. <laughs> well, well.
1: Yeah, what if, what if the show ended with a fixer beam? That would be amazing.
3: <laughs> well, at least
0: at least Gridman's like what, like 12 episodes or something like. That's not. Yeah. At least that's not a huge, you know, commitment but uh Anyway, um thank you for listening Kevin thank you as always and um we'll uh we'll we'll see you guys next time goodbye